0: Hello Morning. and
1: welcome to Justice Losers, the most unqualified podcast discussing entertainment news and reviews. I'm your host Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host. You
0: Just threw off my timing. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> I
1: started with a quarter tank of air and <laughs> took a breath in the middle.
0: Batman, it's me.
1: Matt, what should people
0: do? Like, subscribe, tell a friend, and check out our TikTok. Check
1: out our TikToks. We've got probably four up by now, maybe five.
0: Justice Losers Pod
1: at Gmail tiktok, Dot Facebook yes just as with pod look it up on tiktok we have no followers give us a follow check it out we may have one additional follower already by this point because it's well wow. uh been a week since yep. we started promoting it
0: matt what you been up to uh well i saw batman again
1: Are oh, you going to see it again
0: no i did see it again oh you did
1: see it oh yeah this is what you've been up to not what you because time i thought you were about to go see it again like this week, and so by the time this came out, my brain was in time mode. Never mind, we've never done anything like that where we talk about that. Like, the, shut up, just go that talk was, about it.
0: That's weird. It's a mess. Uh, yeah, no, I saw it again. Um, I want to save it for the end because I, I, I mean, basically, it's really good on a second watch. Um, you feel the length a little bit more. Um, mm. Like so, the way, the way it's structured is it's kind of like intense things are happening for the whole movie and then it sort of takes a breath in the middle before going into the big third act ramp up and you feel that that breath in the middle and you're like okay i'm just gonna kind of rest back and settle in a little bit and then (gasps) stuff's happening again and it gets exciting again
1: where is the breath
0: um when uh bruce goes to visit alfred in the hospital gotcha there's kind of there's a couple scenes in there where it slows down. I guess down that's an intensity
1: bit. breath, but not like a thematic.
0: No, like definitely a lot. The so aside from the thing that I'll talk about at the end of the episode, um the, the biggest thing I appreciated about it on a second watch is there are no wasted scenes. Yeah. It's three hours and everything means something. Everything forwards the plot, everything is memorable in its own right or yeah. interesting in its own right. And it's rare for a movie to pull that off. Yeah. And the only other time I can remember having that impression that strongly in a movie was Amadeus which every single scene is iconic and brilliant oh. in its own way and Amadeus is my argument for the best movie ever made so oh, it's, wow. a, it's a good comparison right there All right. um but anyway yeah Batman really good check it out again I'm gonna I'll talk a little more in depth at the end I have a thing that I I wanted to write something about it but also I haven't had any time to write anything this week so I'm just gonna I'm gonna say it on here and Gage can transcribe it for me and yeah <laughs> <laughs> clean it up a little Nah. No don't you'll hear it'll be good or it won't we'll see um aside from that i haven't been up to a ton um we finished wizards on waverly place of waverly place uh, and i talked about that a little bit a couple of weeks ago um the next one we started was good luck charlie Hmm. um for our going back and disney nostalgia because she's working crazy hours in busy season and just needs something relaxing to watch um it's good Hmm. It's, like, actually really solid. Um, I think I feel like I've said that about, like, yeah. most of these shows at the start. But this one, I think, has been probably the best so far. Are you Do- going into them with very low expectations? Yes.
1: That might be helping.
0: It does help. <laughs> um, <laughs> with this one in particular, like, so, that's so Raven and Wizards of Waverly Place Um, are, like, it's like a normal family, but then they throw in some supernatural shenanigan. And Good Luck Charlie is normal family but the shenanigan is they have a one-year-old yeah like it's not very supernatural and so i was like okay they're actually going to be able to do anything interesting with this and they compensated by making it actually pretty well written and interesting Hmm. like character stuff
1: i feel like i remember something talking about like some video essay or something talking about like um needing chaos in movies and like babies are just a really bad cop-out for it Mm -hmm. like because it's just like a chaos that it's just a chaos not like intentional chaos right I can't remember what it was but
0: yeah i remember that happening yeah there's a little bit of like okay something went wrong because the baby caused trouble but it is more just like authentic family drama around like mm. oh i want to go do this thing but i have to take care of the baby better um it's just affecting the character relationships in different ways gotcha. um it's not i mean it's not spectacular don't go into it expecting um Anything that's going to blow you away, although apparently it's an Emmy-nominated show, which I didn't realize, Oh, which is kind of crazy. Um, But yeah, no, it's it's really solid. Um, There was a run of like three episodes, and we're just about finishing with the first season. There's a run of like three episodes in the middle that I was just like, I'm not laughing. I'm not enjoying this. I don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. Is it just, is it wearing off? Are these bad episodes? And then it just picked right back up after that. Okay. So yeah, pretty solid. All right. Um, there's a little more of like the adult humor. Gotcha. That they kind of sneak in there. Yeah. Um. There's something about like the whole family. The so there's a two parter episode toward the end of the first season where they go on vacation and the parents sit the kids down and they have to tell them something. And one of them is like, "Are you having another baby?" Um. And mom's like, "Nope, we are not having another baby." And dad said, "Well, I think the dad has something to say about that conversation. It's a team effort." And the youngest son, who's like ten or so, is like what's that mean <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> there's kind of an awkward moment and then they spend they, they play off it a little bit where the the um the mom keeps for whatever reason coming to the phrase and and then we're gonna do it or something on vacation and dad's like get married or go on vacation or whatever right. whatever the thing is but just like skirting around the issue and the kid, yeah. poor kid has no idea what's going on and it's <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty solid it's All good right. stuff um also uh finished how i met your father first season Okay. um pretty solid first season overall um it is i'm still having trouble deciding whether it would actually be a pretty good show if you didn't have kind of the nostalgia factor for how i met your mother Mm -hmm. it doesn't it certainly doesn't lean on it in terms of references or callbacks or anything too much although the last couple episodes definitely start to hit that button a little harder Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's justified and I think it works Um, and I think it's a it is a solid show in its own right just you know some different characters thinking about different things the writing's pretty solid they do some uh, interesting kind of stuff Um, it's not quite as elaborate as some of the how much your mother running gags and Mm. uh, the way they'll like you know take two two versions of the, the same dialogue and have it mean completely different things or fun gotcha. things like that. It's not, it's not quite that level, but it's, it's solid. It's certainly yeah. above just passable. Um, the last episode is very much just like, okay, let's have everyone change the relationship status just so we have some drama here. Oh. And you kind of, you get to the end of the season and you're like, wow, that was really exciting, but also very artificial.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so i don't know they've ordered a second season uh with more episodes so i'm cautiously looking forward to it i guess
1: all of them have returned back to their original relationship status in between probably it was a summer of breakups
0: yep <laughs> but yeah uh yeah no it's uh it's pretty good all right um i listening to Mahler's ninth on repeat a lot
1: how long is that uh Ballpark it
0: about 75 minutes. Good lord, yeah. So it takes, I, I listen yeah. to it when I'm driving, and usually it takes a few days to yeah. get through it. Um, yeah, you know anything about nope. Gustav Mahler? Nope, okay. Um, I know that
1: his name is Mahler, and that now he has a ninth symphony that's about 75 minutes long.
0: Yep, um, yeah, so he was he's Austrian, an Austrian composer. Um, he's actually more famous in his lifetime as a conductor um okay he's born in probably 1860s or so started composing prominently or started becoming prominent in the musical world in the 1880s 1890s and then the early 1900s and teens um he uh wrote very little music in terms of like a very small number of pieces but the pieces he wrote were all very large so he wrote uh nine symphonies um the shortest one clocks in at about 45 minutes most of them are like Ooh. an hour to an hour and a half which is pretty lengthy um they're individual movements in some of the symphonies they're over half an hour long oh. um he also wrote some like song cycles for orchestra um including this is kind of funny so do you, are you aware of the curse of the ninth
1: nope
0: so before beethoven Everyone wrote just a whole bunch of symphonies. That's kind of what they did. And then Beethoven came along and wrote nine big symphonies. Like, they're large musical expressions. They're entities unto themselves. And it kind of redefined the symphonic landscape. And then after Beethoven, a bunch of composers... It it was very rare for a composer to exceed nine symphonies. Schubert wrote sort of nine symphonies, depending on how you count. Like, he wrote one through six nine half of eight sort of some sketches of seven mm-hmm. i don't know why the numbering's so weird then he dropped dead Dorjak wrote nine symphonies dropped dead von williams nine symphonies dropped dead <laughs> Mahler is aware of all this uh not von williams that was later but was aware that composers were not reaching nine symphonies wrote eight symphonies Wrote a ninth symphony, but it was actually a song cycle. Called it a song cycle for voice and orchestra because it mm. is basically that Das Lied von der Erde, Song of the Earth. And thought, aha, I've cheated death. Now I can write my ninth symphony because it's actually my tenth. Writes his ninth symphony, drops dead one movement into his tenth. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, tried to cheat death, but death wasn't having it. Yeah. Um,
1: death was too clever. Yep. It had already been cheated by a guy with a stick, of blanket and a rock and he was like not again
0: yeah that's it that's quite a reference there yep good one uh yeah no so he's uh he's famous for these huge emotionally diverse symphonies that's kind of his his biggest best known thing um uh he he described at one point later in life an experience where he he was kind of a hypochondriac bit of a mess as a kid um, and at one point he just freaked out and ran outside and it was really chaotic out on the streets of Vienna. There's like a military band going by and, a uh, Klezmer street musicians and someone singing a song out of a window and all these musical impressions coming from different directions with, uh, all of these emotions welling up in and was a really striking formative experience for him. And so he does, he combines all these different elements in different interesting ways, um, so his first symphony, for example, the third movement, um, is uh, it's the Frere Jaca tune. Oh, yeah. But what he does is he sets it in a minor key and does it like a funeral march. Oh. Um, and then it breaks out of that into like a little klezmer dance breakdown. Um, and then goes back to the funeral march in a different key and then goes into sort of like traditional romantic orchestral music. And then... Huh. It's very interesting and it works. It's super cohesive. You don't really feel the jolts unless you're listening for them. Yeah. Um, but it's just all these very different impressions and you get a, a very unique emotional landscape from them. Hmm. Um so the Ninth Symphony is uh big and awesome and emotional, and uh I'm really enjoying it. Um I'm trying to do so he he wrote in the score that after it's done playing, the last movement's very long and very slow and very romantic and then just kind of dies away to nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And he wrote in the score that after the orchestra's finished playing, you're supposed to allow like a couple minutes of silence before you let the audience applaud or do anything, Mm -hmm. um, which is not always followed in performances, but they try to sometimes. Um, And so I try to like let it die away and then just turn off the music and turn it off and enjoy the silence. It's interesting. It's a... It's an experience yeah. Good stuff Music Yeah Does How about thing? it Yeah Yep Anything else? That's it I'll talk about Batman later Right
1: Uh Man I gotta finish some shit Yep Um Did I ever talk about finishing Red Dead? No. Nope. I did finish Red Dead Um So I could talk about that now Yay The actual full story So It's actually kind of weird It So there's six chapters mm-hmm. and two epilogues okay but like each of the epilogues are like as long as a chapter so there's essentially eight chapters okay but like the two epilogues follow so the first six chapters call or follow arthur morgan who's your main character mm-hmm. and he like contracts tb halfway through mm-hmm. and i've talked about that before where like it's a, just right. an entire tonal shift for him of like surviving and now i know he won't knows he won't survive mm-hmm. and so now it becomes making up for all the garbage he did in his life and it becomes a really emotional story mm-hmm. um and he sort of focuses in on john marston who is the, ki- the main character of the first game mm-hmm. that is like it comes after this game so so like interesting a, uh, rdr2 is a prequel to the first one mm-hmm. i guess sec- technically the second one because there's a game called red dead Re- revolver that I didn't hear about until recently. Anyway, oh. um, so it kind of focuses in on John Marston because Marston has a wife and a kid, mm-hmm. or a very real girlfriend and a kid. Doesn't act hasn't actually proposed yet. Okay, properly. Um, and he's like, "I want you guys to get out of this. Like, mm-hmm. I know because of reasons, and I'm not going to explain it all. Like, it's at least it gives a little bit of." thing for people to discover on their own Mm -hmm. uh for reasons everything's gonna go wrong and i would like you guys to be the ones that if anyone gets out it's you guys Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna do everything i can to help you escape this and go live a good life okay um it's not a spoiler to know that he does that they do eventually get out somehow and so the two epilogues are following them right after and Mm -hmm. I texted Brendan, our friend Brendan, who introduced me to the game, after the first, after the last chapter ended, and I was like, honestly not very satisfying, because a lot of things get, like, left open-ended. Like, like a lot of loose strings and stuff that, like, mm-hmm. I assumed were going to be, like, answered in the next game, because, like, there's a character that survives that I know you come across in uh, Red Dead. Well, like Basically, every character that survives mm-hmm. that, that I know of in the first game... Survives and I'm like, okay, so like, I guess they're alive, but there's kind of like, not a whole lot of wrap up, right? Morgan, and but like, the epilogues were fantastic and they wrap things up in just the right way and show the development of Marson's character from the end of the Arthur Morgan story to the next game. Mm-hmm. Or I guess the previous game—that's confusing, because uh, <laughs> just for reasons—and I'm gonna leave that, leave that a little bit more ambiguous because it, okay. it's something people should explore. But it's there's a few side quests that I gotta go do because they were side quests that were there when I was still playing Arthur, and they're still there, and I'm playing with John, mm-hmm. and so I'm really curious to see if they actually did go through and like basically refill or redo everything twice to have the new character and his own interactions with those people. So I got to go and do Interesting. that. Uh, the, like, basically half of the open world map isn't open until the epilogue. Okay. And so there's a lot of like other stuff I got to go and do and explore and right. stuff like that. Um, so I still have some exploratoration to do. Sure. But I made the full mistake of starting cyberpunk. And so now I'm... Struggling to back into doing those two games at once. I just got to sink into one of them. Yep. Uh, Cyberpunk is going all right. A lot of glitches. Sure. But the story is interesting. I didn't know the premise of it. I just, like, because I didn't... Whenever they announce games, like big games and stuff like that, I don't Mm -hmm. really pay attention to the premise. Because back then, I'd never really been a person who cares about the lore. I care about the satisfaction of, like, completing things and building Mm -hmm. up and stuff like that. So the premise is so it's pretty far in the future. It's like a, it's not pretty far, like it's, um, it's a different future basically mm-hmm. where it's the future of a different present. Okay. Like that. Um, but similar themes of like being addicted to technology and basically everyone sure. can get augmented and they have like metal arms and they can replace their eyes in front of their face with like computer stuff to mm-hmm. read more. Like everything's you can plug chips in your head. It's like very classic hyper sci-fi. Sure. Um, and there's this really experimental chip that you you, you're a mercenary and that you go and you do gigs for certain Mm -hmm. fixers. Uh, and you like one of the big, the main story gigs is you go and you steal this really valuable experimental chip from somebody, but it needs to stay in its bio containment box thing to keep it, uh, safe. And you guys, something happens where it cracks the box. And so, uh, one thing and another thing and another thing, but then you end up having to plug it into your own head. Ah. Uh-huh. And this experimental chip is basically the path to immortality of, it contains the identity of another person. Oh. But it's designed to overtake your body and replace it with that person. Oh. And the person is Johnny Silverhand, who was played by Keanu Reeves
0: uh-huh
1: and so you're like and so it's a it's a process and like i don't know how it's going to play out like if you eventually kick it or like i just did a mission recently that i expected it to be like a, like you're running out of time already like it's mm. you have weeks um uh, it's an open world game rpg so naturally i have seen um several weeks of night day cycles happen and mm-hmm. it's i'm not dying so it's definitely you know that's how video games have sure. work like yeah uh come meet me out at my shop uh tomorrow morning seven months later you go and see them and they're like hey nice to show you. like yeah it seems like it's the next morning um but it's it's really interesting because uh you get it apparently turns your personality slowly into that person and he was a, ter- a terrorist huh. and you're not and so it's interesting because like there are some ways like things that happen that the game sort of leads you into that because it's a role-playing game. So you get to choose like how you mm-hmm. react to things. And like over time you sort of make decisions that like, you're like, I feel like I wouldn't have made that decision before, but like the game kind of like, for- it's like it, it forces you interesting. to interesting. And if you like look into it, forcing you to, then you're like, Oh, this is rude. It's forcing me to do shit. But like, it does a pretty decent job of, All right. if you let yourself go into it, you're like, wow, I'm actually turning into this terrorist. Nice. Um, not like me personally, outside of the game, going. I want to go nuke a building now.
0: It's actually an ISIS recruitment tool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, the um, so there's so it's really interesting because like you're going around the world and like you'll see there are several side missions you do something where someone's talking to you and you have this re- interaction with them and then Johnny Depp or not Johnny Depp Johnny Silverhand. <laughs>
0: uh keanu reeves could you imagine up. though <laughs> i mean it's keanu reeves it's not a
1: whole lot different of just like that weird eccentric guy but like he just pops up and what they're both weird eccentric people
0: it's an odd comparison usually i think of keanu reeves as like the blank slate guy what do you mean like well as far as the characters he plays at least mm. like you know, you haven't seen the matrix no i've not You're... well I, I forever ago okay um but basically he's like He's a very boring character because he's the audience proxy. Uh, Everything interesting happens around him. Same thing with like Speed, okay, or uh... I was going to say Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but they're that's pretty, kind of its own thing. Crazy, anyway.
1: Okay, I see what you're saying. They like they're kind of boring. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but like you're doing like this stuff around the world, and uh, Johnny Silverhand will pop up, mm-hmm. and you get his kind of commentary because he was like what he did. He died 50 years prior. Mm -hmm. so like he's from a little bit of a different time i think he was like from 2020 okay um and so you get like a slightly different perspective of like that kind of stuff and it's interesting that he comment comments on like wow it's like really depressing that this is happening or like that's interesting like this is art because he's also a musician so Mm -hmm. you get a really art artist perspective Ah, on everything and i kind of like it i'll actually um previously in previous life i would have just ignored it i just kept running because he Mm -hmm. pops up and then if you run far enough away he'll stop talking and disappear right but uh no i'll just pop up that's like you get um kind of a hologram ish of him that only you can see and interact with um and yeah he has his own relationships with some of the people you talk to and he's like don't agree to this this person will play you and like if you agree to it they will end up playing you and it'll be like told you so but if you like didn't go with it, like you resisted or something like that. I'd be like, "That was a smart move." Blah blah. blah. You mm-hmm. like kind of get a little something okay. like that. You gotta yeah. interact with it. Um, one of the things I don't like about sci-fi games, mm-hmm. or I think it mostly happens in games, not in movies as much, is that they try so hard to come up with their own slang. And just yeah. assault you with it.
0: Oh, I mean, that happens in a lot of movies and TV shows and I feel stuff. like
1: it's the worst with sci-fi because it's yeah. like, it's stuff with fantasy, you hear slang and fantasy stuff, and it's usually something that is very close to what you know used to already be said. Yeah. But like, so something that they say in cyberpunk is like, you delta, which is like to get out, like, like peacing out. Mm-hmm. Um... And everyone's just like, oh, you gotta, like, delta out of there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's so, w- like, I don't understand <laughs> why that's a thing that's said. Uh,
0: so there's alpha males, there's beta males. <laughs> We're just gonna skip over gamma males and then a delta male is just a guy who runs around. <laughs> just
1: runs away.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: they have, they call, so they have gigs. Mm-hmm. Which are gigs, are jobs.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh,
1: called biz.
0: Uh, like, it's like sure.
1: like, B-I-Z. It's and the only ever called biz. Mm-hmm. Um, fixers are the ones who give you jobs, which that kind of makes sense.
0: Kind of seems like they're more the ones breaking things, if you ask me. But
1: yeah, well, they're fixing you up with uh, jobs.
0: I, and, I understand.
1: Uh, you're a merc, um, so it's the whole thing is a big CD Projekt Red saying huge corporations are the worst, and they're and computer and everyone's obsessed with computers and technology and stuff like that. Like all, oh, mm-hmm. it's very sure. Thickly laid all over the game mm-hmm. uh, And so you have corporations And the people who work for corporations are corpos Alright <laughs> Or suits Which that one makes sense But they usually say corpos
0: They could have gone with corpses Yeah Would have had a much better poetic meaning <laughs>
1: um, It's just There's like it, it gets a little obnoxious sometimes Sure So
0: Yeah Have you seen Battlestar Galactica at all? mm it's kind of, it's a pretty solid show, but it, ha- that's what it says has That's a frack, right? Yeah, they say frac all yeah. the time. Frack me.
1: Yeah, like with video game or like with stuff where they're trying to like sound computer stuff, and they throw the word quantum and stuff like that. Like yeah, that's just that's uh, different techno babble. Blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah yeah yeah. But like, I don't know. It's just and it, 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 it annoys me a little bit.
0: Yeah, it, it's difficult to do it very. Cleanly, yeah, I think,
1: and I get it. Like we say stupid slang all the time. That if you looked back on us fifty years ago, you'd be like that is really dumb. If they made a video game with our slang, yeah, for a hundred years ago, if they could play video games, yep. they'd be like this is really obnoxious and stupid the way we talk. Ye- yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but also I feel like everyday slang doesn't change that much. Like just dialogue doesn't change to so where like you say get out of there. Mm-hmm. We've been saying that for centuries probably like or some very sm- but like delta out of there like that's like an entirely new word yeah it's weird
0: it's a little strange It's
1: obnoxious i don't know um i've been playing that uh i've also uh gage nick and i just played started playing raft which okay. is a early access game that and so early access means they like they um it's like the right way of doing what everyone's, all the video games are doing where they release a broken game and then patch it later. Uh, it's not that they're releasing a broken game and patching it, it's they release a very simple game that works uh-huh. and add on to it slowly. Okay. Um,
0: so they they get you to pay to beta test it?
1: Pretty much. Cool. Yeah. And so Raft is, you are out on the ocean on a little raft, you get a little four by four raft. Makes sense. Um, and you build the raft and like kind of survive and you have to eat and drink and stuff and like that. And you can like craft sure. things to build it out and you build the raft really big and collect, uh, in the water, there are little floating plastics, woods, and, um, and leaves that you collect to craft mm-hmm. stuff. And then there's islands every so often that you go over and you can kind of like go up and get some more stuff might get some trees down and sure. Like that. And you build it out and it's, it's actually Makes really fun. Yeah. Um, it is, it's sort of like Minecrafty, that kind of thing where you start with very little and you craft and stuff like that. And there's mm-hmm. not, there's not. Skills they just cut to out it. the mineka. Huh?
0: They just cut out the mineka. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, except what I like about this is there's actually apparently a story. Okay. Um, you eventually can craft a transmitter and or a receiver and three antennas, which then. Uh, at some point you get a note or something, you have a little notebook that gives you a four digit code and you put the code into the receiver and it like tells you where radio tower is. You go to the radio tower, it gives you another four digit code, uh, you go and find different things and like there are chapters to the story.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So we're, uh, we just, uh, yesterday, last night got to the radio tower and got the next code and we're going to go to that next Exciting. time. Exciting. So, oh, uh, it's
0: Is like, it going to be like a post-apocalyptic thing?
1: I think so. I think it is.
0: It seems like the. Most yeah. plausible direction,
1: because um, that's something like we play Red uh, Seven Days to Die, which mm-hmm. is a zombie survival game, and I like that, except that there's not. Okay, I'll I'll start with Minecraft. Minecraft, I really like it until you can fight the Ender Dragon and the Wither, and then there's really nothing to work towards besides building, mm-hmm. which like Nick and Gage like, but I sure. kind of don't really care about mm-hmm. anything beyond that. Like I, yep. I like to make an efficient thing for the purpose of a goal right and so like making a really efficient mining system is great if i had something to use it for right so like i don't like just look at it all right um seven days to die there's i feel like i
0: feel like you and i played legos the same way probably where you and so for me it was always you i don't build A cool thing and look at it and say, Oh how pretty I build something that's like a story. Kinda, yeah. Like, okay, this is my little world, my character's going around and doing stuff in here. I did that a little bit, yeah. Okay.
1: I really didn't play a whole lot of like Legos like making my own stuff. Mm -hmm. I would make the Lego kits and then just put them up. Okay. Um Or like make a starship. Of course. My own little starship. Um But seven days to die. It's a survival game, and every seven days there's a horde of zombies, and you kill the zombies, and you like you eventually like upgrade, and you get a whole bunch of stuff, and you like Mm -hmm. like, there's a lot of crafting to be done, and you eventually get like a gyrocopter and stuff like that, but and so it takes a lot longer to craft all of that stuff and survive Mm -hmm. than it does in Minecraft. So the game has more of a duration to me, right? But like once we've got a solid base that we could just survive every seven day horde, there's not a lot to do. There are quests you can do to like gain experience and stuff like that, sure. but it's not a leading quest. Mm-hmm. They're working on that, and I can't wait for them to do it where there's actually like a story to it. That'll be cool. Um, but it's just like I don't know. Once I get to a point in one of those sandbox games, I get bored because I want objectives, yeah. And like the crafting is an objective, like for me in seven days my objective is to like if i'm crafting my objective is to make a gyrocopter Mm -hmm. and i need to get a lot of stuff for that and i have to like really like set my foundation and like make sure my food is sustainable and everything so that i can get to it so there's a lot to craft but like eventually if i ever get i haven't gotten to it i've played a lot of seven days and i've never gotten to a gyrocopter so there's definitely plenty to it but minecraft i just get kind of bored of it Mm -hmm. with terraria there are a lot of bosses you can fight and then once you've fought And they're all different levels, like there's the Eye of Cthulhu, which is the first one you can fight, and Mm -hmm. there's like three other bosses that you can fight, and then there's like the last boss, which is the Wall of Flesh, You go all the way down to the, basically hell, all the way down at the bottom, and then activate him, is this just giant wall of flesh that it's moving at a constant rate, and you have to run away from him and do damage to him. Mm -hmm. Um, When you fight him, when you kill him, then you can unlock hardcore mode, that you do it all again, and they're all like harder bosses, so like there's two full rounds of bosses and you okay. can also fight them multiple times too to get a bunch of stuff okay um i never actually got around to hardcore mode no i think i did once mm. but um yeah so that said with rat i'm excited for the story and they're also like i think they just updated too recently they like add they're constantly adding stuff mm-hmm. um nice yeah
0: sounds like fun yep
1: i think that's pretty much it When watching Shits creek have i talked about Shits creek a lot on this
0: not a lot talk to me individually so
1: we are halfway through season three i love this show um
0: i'm so glad for you
1: you haven't seen you haven't had a chance to go back and watch it again nope gotta do it it's a good it's a good show after the first half of season one okay Um, i haven't made it
0: past the first half of season one
1: it's i don't often watch comedy shows like it's not really my thing Mm -hmm. um because i feel like for the most part i don't think they're that funny they're usually just mildly amusing and then Mm -hmm. the one solid joke per episode
0: they're much less funny than me and you get your full dose of me every two weeks so
1: yep um like new girl was good because i really liked schmidt Mm -hmm. and like his just loud stuff like i I laughed quite a bit at that one um but with this one i find myself constantly going (laughs) (laughs) like not a roaring laugh but like every 30 seconds to a minute just pretty good (laughs) Pretty good chest, like a
0: a good little chortle.
1: Good little chortle, and it's just they're all equally foils and straight men. Mm-hmm. Like every character is like weird, and like in their own, like they do stupid things, mm-hmm. but also they all all the other ones think that their stupid things are stupid, right? And so like someone does something that like if they so like David does his goofy, stupid, weird thing, mm-hmm. and everyone's like what. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and so like, you always get that kind of straight man. Humor. Right. Like the, not really like, I feel like it's a better version of Jim's look at the camera mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, it's good. All right. I like it a lot. Cool. And I can see the development that is happening with them mm-hmm. really well. Like, yeah. you know, they're all spoiled rich people and the mm-hmm. two kids have never had jobs and they start getting jobs and like, like, and you, we just got a thing with David where um, a thing he was always proud of turned out to not actually be real, and he felt really cheated by what happened, and like uh. felt his pride get hurt really bad, and so he really dug into like this current endeavor. Okay, um, I like that. Yeah, it's like, and uh, you get um, uh, so we're halfway through season three. Um, Alexis, her whole th- kind of thing throughout early show is that she is just very like uncaring about relationships like just dated a billion people and relationships mm-hmm. aren't a real thing for her and she's starting to actually really care about somebody mm-hmm. and in the like one of the last two episodes like it really hit her and you can like kind of see her go oh shit this is different mm. and like you start to see that like her actual like Emotions happening, mm-hmm. uh, where it's not just like a relationship isn't just a means for going on travel because that's something like she would just right. date royalty and go out and do stuff. And she's been held captive, who knows how many times? Yeah, she's like, it's there's so many situations where they're like, yeah, we're doing this thing and this. She's like, that's not a great idea. When I was held captive in South Korea, blah blah blah. Like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, Moira is still growing on me. I don't, not a huge fan of her yet
0: from what i've seen she seems like she would be the most annoying
1: yeah she's very prideful and arrogant and stuff and mm-hmm. i know that she gets hers eventually um like it's her throw right. on you moment um but right now i'm still just kind of i think i'm starting to see it okay there's been things happening to her where she starts to second guess her mm-hmm. own decisions Hmm. um and her relationship with her kids, because mm-hmm. that's a big thing is like their relation, like the kids' relationship with their parents that yeah. didn't exist and is now starting to exist. Yep. Um, Johnny apparently doesn't really change a whole lot. He's kind of just in general, because he was the one who started the business. He was the one who right. worked hard. So he has like a work ethic yeah. and understanding. Um, so he didn't have a lot of annoyance mm-hmm. early on. Except, like, why are you with this family still? <laughs> um, but he's... I, I am liking him quite a bit. He's... Um, he's very political. Like, he knows how to be political, and that comes out. And it's—and okay. like, I kind of like how he does it. Mm-hmm. Um, when everyone else is not.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so you have all of his uh, his wife and his kids going foot and mouth. <laughs> uh and they're just like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, nah, no, no, no. This. And like kind of like, tries to like temper it. And so he's like okay. constantly fighting the them. The mediator. And it's like, it's, it's interesting. Entertaining to see him do that.
0: Ah, uh, the negotiator.
1: Yeah. What's that from? Is that Star Wars? Yeah. General yeah, Grievous. Yeah. I can't
0: do the voice. No. Oh, yes. The negotiator.
1: Oh, that's Bane. <laughs>
0: General Banus. General Grievous. No, that sounds dumb. dirty.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that. Uh, hopefully I will finish Smiley's people here in the next week. Yeah. So that you and I can start our new challenge. Yeah. We're going to do a thing.
0: We are going to do a thing. We're, We're going gonna to talk, talk about this. About that a yeah. Lot. Yeah.
1: So Matt and I are going to start. I've been wanting to write and I feel like it's going to be a lot easier for me to write if I just wrote short stories mm-hmm. because it's like, you know, the first thousand things you do are bad. Yep. I'd rather I write four pages of bad mm-hmm. a thousand times than try to write a novel a thousand times and they're all bad. Or Smart. like a movie. Smart. Um, And I was like, I don't know how to write a short story. I don't know what a short story looks like. So mm-hmm. I bought the Oxford Collection of American Short Stories. Sounds like a good place to start. Like 60 short stories. Mm-hmm. And my plan is to, once I finish Smiley's People, read a short story a day.
0: hmm
1: I don't know what that's, I don't know how sustainable that's going to be, but like I want to give myself that start. Mm-hmm. And then once I've read it, I want to write a short story a day, giving myself a prompt and a theme. And mm-hmm. like and like I saw I found a website that's like it gives you the first sentence. Mm-hmm. And then I will look up like a theme and then I will figure mm-hmm. out how to just mush that together. And yeah. they're all
0: going to be problem solving. I like it.
1: Horse, horse shit. Sure. Um but then I I texted you I was like, "Hey, you want to do this with me
0: really do i so really really do
1: you've got like the. Stack i think it's
0: of... it's really ambitious to read it or to write a short story a day right but we'll uh we'll see what we can do with it
1: it may go to like once a week
0: i think i think once a week would be a more manageable thing because i could like I, I worry about the procrastination of oh it's saturday night i haven't started my writing yet
1: i may do a thing where on tuesdays i go to a coffee shop in the afternoon mm-hmm. like if i don't have anything going on at work yeah then go to a coffee shop get a coffee and then just and and write and yeah. just write for an hour mm-hmm. or maybe like i don't know i don't know how long you would give myself. yeah
0: but... it's it's good to give yourself like not a concrete goal of i'm gonna write 500 words today right. but like a concrete goal of i'm gonna set aside this time and put this time into writing
1: yeah um because then if i just start writing short stories mm-hmm then and you do the same thing. We can mm-hmm. give each other's to them, and we can like give them to our friends and be like, "Is this good?" At least no, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, no, because I I want to know like, I especially want to know what my strengths are with mm-hmm. writing because mm-hmm. I feel like I have a strength, and i want sure lean you do into it. And so like I want to give it to like people like you and Andy specifically, and like mm-hmm. maybe some of his friends. And Kaylin is a huge reader. Yeah, uh, Emily is a big reader. Yeah, like, yeah give yeah. it to people and be like, what works in this and mm-hmm. then see because if it's like if my if my sense of uh, atmosphere is really good like writing what the like the environment is like mm-hmm. then i'll like tweak what i'm writing if mm-hmm. my my characters are really good or my dialogue is really good i'll kind of choose what genre would most exploit that mm-hmm. and like work on the other things where they're not as an important piece right and like give myself that like at least center point that i'm like i'm at least solid on this aspect Mm -hmm. and so i can be comfortable with that and then like work on the other things on the side Mm -hmm. Um, but i just wanna i just i I, i've always wanted to write i've always felt like i have a creative mind for stories and concepts Mm -hmm. but i have absolutely no experience writing whatsoever and i feel like this is the easiest and shortest way to get to it
0: reading and then writing yep that's how you do it yep i like it i like it a lot we'll discuss logistics further when we're not
1: what do you want to get out of it
0: uh i want to read more and i want to write more i i like writing i feel like i'm a pretty talented writer but i don't do it enough to actually get really good at it yeah um and so i want to i want to exercise those muscles again yeah and i think it's good for me just as a human being i think i need to have some creative outlets and i've been doing more with music stuff recently i've been composing more regularly and more Mm -hmm. deliberately um but it would be good for me i think to do writing too yeah so
1: that'd be good so we might uh depending on how like reading once a day that gives us about 14 per recording session Mm -hmm. maybe we narrow it to two
0: we just pick a couple (laughs) of good ones yeah
1: (laughs) um but yeah i just want to i don't know what short stories are like
0: because mm-hmm.
1: my brain is like ah full three act structure and that's not what short stories are not really no They usually apparently tend to be more slice of life or like you're you start in the heat of things and stuff mm-hmm. like that so they're more contained yeah
0: but you'll you'll discover many yep. things i shall yeah anything else uh, I should talk about my Batman thing. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I, I know we talked about this a little bit in our review, which, go back and listen to our Batman review from a couple of weeks ago. We had a lot of interesting and intelligent things to say about it. I'm sure I don't remember what they were, but that's okay. I should probably say spoilers throughout. Oh, <laughs> <for> yeah. <this. laughs> uh, I'm going to spoil the pants off this movie. Yep. Absolutely. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about one thing that I, I noticed in my first watch and then was really watching for in my second watch through, and that was the execution of the rule of threes. Okay. So you're familiar with the rule of threes, of yes, course. I am. What's the rule of threes?
1: Rule of threes are things happen in threes. Um, Great, nailed it. It can either be <laughs> um, if you are trying to cement uh, an idea. Mm-hmm. In your audience's head you do something that makes that idea clear three mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um so this person hates short people. Mm-hmm. They make three short people jokes through like early on to like cement, mm-hmm. oh this person hates short people. Mm-hmm. Uh if you want someone to really develop on something, you show them with the three stages of that development. Mm-hmm. What they're like at the beginning something that causes them concern mm-hmm. and then the third one is them having developed mm-hmm. uh anything like stuff like that like there's a whole bunch of variations of your what your goal is but like right threes are the ways to communicate to the audience the the best
0: until you establish a pattern yep. yeah um and the batman is i think really effective at using the two things to sort of set up that there might be a pattern and then use the third one to pay it off in mm-hmm. some way um and they start that they get that in your in your internal vocabulary for the movie right away not right away right away so but the opening montage with the batman voiceover mm-hmm. and there's criminals out criminaling about and there's three different crimes in progress yep. there's the the robbery there's the vandalism and there's the assault yep. and they set that up as the the little montage of three different things um and let me back up a second, because before I jump into this, I don't think that montage would work if it were the opening of the movie. I think it would be fine, but it because it is kind of comic booky and like with the voiceover, it's yeah. a little bit strange. It would feel really artificial if you weren't already placed into a heightened state. You're already kind of emotionally invested in the stakes and you're already immersed in the world. Right. You know it's really good at doing that? a super creepy murder scene yeah, <laughs> that sets up the character and puts you in this heightened emotional state and, and introduces this element of tension yep. so that just the editing, the placement of the scenes there is very deliberate and fairly well done. Yeah. We get into the montage and they show the three scenes and Batman's kind of laying out his whole deal of like when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call, it's a warning right. and they do the very three deliberate cuts to the shadows and yep. people look at the shadows and they're like, okay, is Batman going to come get me? Uh, what's in the shadows? And the first one and the second one is just the person they kind of run away and the, the crime is sort of disrupted. And then the third one is where he actually emerges out of the shadows. They pay it off with the rule of three. And now they've got that pattern in your yep. head of one, two, break the pattern or pay off the yep. pattern in some way. And they do that a few times really effectively uh, throughout the movie. One that I know we talked about during the review is uh, Bat- Batman and Catwoman kissing. hmm it happens twice, and then there's the third one that's sort of not, but pays it off. And the yeah. first, so the first time, is she is trying to manipulate him. She's trying to get him to help her towards her own particular goals. Mm-hmm. She sees that he's kind of an isolated guy and thinks she can sort of entice him. Mm-hmm. Um, the The second one is on the catwalk at the end when the final fight scene is done, and it's like, okay, these people they actually care about each other. They've come to help each other now. And this is sort of a moment of emotional catharsis for them, and then there is the third one, the very last scene when they're in the graveyard, um, and they're together. And Catwoman says, "Look, I'm I'm going to leave town. You should come with me. We can go get into trouble in Bloodhaven or whatever the Easter egg is." Um, and Batman, they kind of explain why not, and um, it's
1: because it's- I have a old Robin that's up there doing stuff. <laughs> oh wait no that's later
0: (laughs) (laughs) no because he's a he's a hero now and he's an important symbol and he's that's been his sort of his whole journey throughout and you know the bat signal goes up and she's like "Uh, you're you're committed elsewhere and he sort of leans in for a kiss and she kind of pulls away and it's sort of that payoff that leaves the it it breaks the pattern in this case and it leaves that emotional thread hanging in the air a little bit which is a useful setup for sequels but also kind of leaves that relationship at the perfect point if even if this movie is just a standalone of sort of there's always that unrequited or like unresolved tension between them and by setting that up with the pattern and then breaking it in the third one when it could have been just such a nice ending moment it it leaves that tension present um another case and this one this one is a little more fudged but um the the idea of batman is vengeance Mm -hmm there are kind of three big moments that play into that. They, they use it as sort of a throwaway name throughout. Like the penguin says, Hey, Mr. Vengeance here. Why don't you step into my office? Oh, am I talking like a New Yorker? Yep. But you know what I mean? But there are kind of three big moments that are both thematically relevant to it and really play on the idea of Batman as vengeance. Yeah. Um, and, uh, one of those is the very beginning when he says, I am vengeance after basically ripping the guy's arm off and beating him to death with it. Yep. Um, that's how that scene played out, right? Yep. I remember that correctly. Yep. Um, he looks up and says, I am vengeance. And okay, he's we've already set him up as the monster that emerges from the shadows with the, that first little rule of three payoff. Yep. And this is what the monster looks like. He is, he is a creature of vengeance. The second one that strikes you is when Catwoman's actually trying to play on him and entice him in to come take down Kenzie mm-hmm. the the cop um, she's like she, she says come on vengeance get into some trouble because like they've established that he's a bad guy she wants to play on that side of him yeah use that that darker impulse of his to try to lead him on with that take him take him further down that path and then the third one of course is the payoff when he beats the snot out of the Riddler goon and they take off his mask um and gordon says who are you and the riddler goon says i am vengeance and that is kind of the moment that sparks the transformation from batman uh, where he goes from just the vengeance driven vigilante into more of a superhero that's the the impetus of change the payoff for that arc right there which i'll come back to in a second um another one uh just a nice little throwaway here is the ave maria Mm -hmm. which comes up a few times uh three times to be specific Mm -hmm. So there's the very, very opening. You hear Ave Maria before you even see anything on screen. And so it's the sort of thing where, and I think I talked about this in the review, it it could be... I
1: I remember this very vividly, like Mm -hmm. you telling this bit.
0: But I'll I'll tell it again. Um, it, uh, it, It starts and it could just be like a nice aesthetic choice. You know, we have some very calm, peaceful, classical music on the serial killing because contrasts and it's artsy or whatever and that'd be that'd be fine in its own right that there's some examples of that being done pretty well in movies um but they clearly indicate that it means something a little more when the riddler actually comes in and murders the dude and then the riddler's theme starts to play mm-hmm. and it's basically a twisted friggin' mode version of the ave maria um and so at that point, you're kind of thinking, okay, well, this actually means something. When's it going to come back? How are they going to pay it off? And then there's the second time, which is where it's actually diegetic. And they're looking at um, the Riddler leads them to the orphanage and plays the, the clip of Thomas Wayne announcing the renewal fund. And before it, there's the choir singing the Ave Maria in the background. And we, we're, we don't quite we haven't don't haven't put the pieces together yet to quite make that connection but you can sort of sense that there's something there and if you're really looking for it i think you can find it at that point um but it's establishing that this does mean something it's not just an artistic choice this the twisting of the ave maria theme is more thematically baked into the red character mm-hmm. than than just being something superficial and the third time is when the Riddler actually sings it during the interrogation scene. Right. Um, and it's completely diegetic, and the score in the background is just, like, sort of thumping atonal brass chords, like, on off It's It's cool. It's, mm. it, it's subtle, but it's, like, it, it plays into the unsettling atmosphere really nicely. Um, and that is the payoff, that this hopeful message of the renewal has become so twisted in this guy's mind that it is something horrifying. Yeah. And that's a perfect payoff. And the best example, the one that really pays off the whole thing and pays off the whole movie is Batman's interactions with the kid. I
1: wonder when you ring that one up.
0: That's the best one. Because those kind of chart his character arc there is the first interaction when batman and the kid just make kind of awkward eye contact across the room during the the murder scene and batman realizes that this kid is basically him yep he is uh the kid has seen his his father dead in front of him and uh is scarred and set on a a path by the city's violence um and batman is he has to go back and ask some questions of himself. And that's why he's kind of so driven on this particular case. That's the first thing. And then the second interaction uh, is he saves him at uh, the funeral. Um, The car comes crashing through and Bruce Wayne dives and tackles him out of the way. And that's great. That is taking action to help basically this proxy for himself. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't actually do anything to change the stakes of the story. Like, great, you saved this kid now. The Riddler's still carrying out his plan. Yeah. Everything is still going wrong. People are still going to die. You haven't made a fundamental change. Your vengeance approach is not working. Right. And the third one is after that last vengeance path, when he has made the choice that I'm going to become a superhero now, and he cuts the wire and he falls into the water, and then he needs to rescue the people. He lights the flare and he goes to lead him out of the darkness. And he reaches out and it's the kid who takes his hand. It's the kid who recognizes and he is saving himself at that moment and it is that it's kind of the the peak of that transformation from vigilante to superhero Mm -hmm. that the whole movie is really about and so it's again it's it's taking that rule of three and it's making the third one sort of pay off by making it a little different and letting that variation run in contrast to the existing pattern and it's so good it's really good yeah all right I've ranted enough.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask if you think the next movie is going to be the theme of him being the knight, and then the third one is him being Batman. Because, like, the whole thing is, like, I am Vengeance, I am the knight, I am Batman. Mm-hmm. Like, that'd be kind that of would, cool. That would make sense. Cool three. I like, like the it. the next one's him, fo- he's, like, he's a hero that mm-hmm. focuses on being in the night, like, being mm-hmm. one you can't see, then I'm Batman, it's just, he's Batman now. Mm-hmm. Maybe he has a bat family. I don't know. We'll see. I want Nightwing. I just, (laughs) I really want a good live Nightwing. I don't want Titans. I want that to be wiped from people's minds. (laughs) (sighs) I can't wait till the next whatever comes from this.
0: Yeah. Something will happen and it will be good. Yeah. Almost for certain. Yeah.
1: I hope they don't screw it with Aquaman 2 and Shazam 2 and Black Adam 1 and yeah what else is there gonna be flash 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 could probably ruin it eh, i don't have anything else
0: okay i think that's all i got tells me we shall thanks everyone for listening you can find this podcast on spotify itunes iHeartRadio, and Podbean. uh most other places uh you can find us on facebook uh sort of we have a facebook page we don't do anything on there really right now uh we're on twitter at just us losers pod uh we're on instagram the same handle at just us losers pod uh we are on tiktok TikTok, justusloserspod.tiktok.com
1: the tiktok app
0: the tiktok app with a popped p
1: used to be musically what it used musically to be. musically what like it used to be m-u-s-i-c-a dot l-y oh like it used to be like a thing that was more of just like music like lip-syncing to music and
0: stuff. right and now it's that but also fine
1: yeah okay well now it's that with also like a ton of like educational stuff and like mm-hmm. uh like political and news like honestly i get a lot of my news from tiktok because there's like you mm-hmm. got a lot of independent news reporters that aren't bogged down by corporate stuff and sure they yeah got a few that there. under the desk news is my favorite one
0: all right cool so yeah, yeah. check check us out on there we're on there yeah we've got a thing about mace windu
1: we do and batman
0: and batman and
1: kenobi and kenobi just in general yeah we'll probably have another batman one
0: i'm sure uh yeah so we got all that uh we got a gmail justusloserspod at gmail.com uh, if you've found any other examples of the rule of three being executed in the batman uh let me know send that to justusloserspod at gmail.com i'm eager to hear it um also, if you have tips for reading or writing short stories, that, that would be good for us to hear. Yes. So send that to any of those places and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a look. Um, well, it's, uh, it's probably everything I'm supposed to say. Are we expecting any big news in the next week? Probably not. No? Um, might be able to tell you how we feel about the first episode of Moon Knight in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. First couple episodes, maybe. We'll see. Who knows? Um, probably that's everything I need to say. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.